Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast, brought to you by Spartan Forge. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Fall is upon us, and there's no better way to get fueled up before hunt than with some Black Rifle Coffee. Coffee legitimately tastes better after a day in the woods or after a successful hunt. Fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or with your first coffee club subscription, Black Rifle Coffee. Last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We partnered with social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. And Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit and download GoWild.com to get started. Also, just want to say a big thank you to our partners over at America's Best Bowstrings, hand-built in the USA since 2006. Amazing customer service, awesome quality and performance. Their Platinum Series strings are what we all run on our bows. We absolutely love them. Go and create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. Before we get into this episode, let's thank our partners over at Shea Butler Knives. And Shea makes custom everyday carry knives with the Rhino and Pursuit. His Ranger and Whitetail and Featherlight knives are amazing for anything, but especially out in the field. Shea's creativity, high quality materials, functional but unique designs, coupled with his precise leatherwork, make products that will last a lifetime. Check them out over at SheaButlerKnives.com. Our friends over at Half Rack just released some awesome gear and they were great enough to give our listeners 10% off their order. All you have to do is click on the link in the podcast bio or the link on our link tree on Instagram and that will give you your percentage off at checkout. So get some of the highest quality hunting and outdoor accessories that will help you prosper in the field. Half Rack is aiming to be mindful of the past, conservation conscious and evolve into the future. Thanks to our partners over at Tether. Tether makes premium saddle gear by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. They just dropped some new gear like the MVP, which can turn your saddle into a two panel or just a more rigid back support and also some new suspenders. So if your saddle tends to sag, grab a pair and both items are retrofitted. So it doesn't matter what saddle or brand you have, they're going to work. Check them out at tethernation.com. Forged in combat and tailored for hunters, Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly innovative and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can now take Spartan Forge with you wherever you go by downloading the mobile app. Enjoy deer prediction analysis, weather forecasts, historical data, detailed journaling, as well as crisp maps. It's time for you to make the most of your season and let Spartan Forge do that for you. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20%. Check it out 
over at SpartanForge.ai. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of the Antler Up podcast. On today's episode, Dimitri and I were joined by Braxton of Hacks and Hunt. Braxton does some awesome bow review videos on YouTube, and we wanted to start our mini gear series off with him. We discussed some of the awesome things he's doing with his brand for giving back to the archery community, military, and first responders. We also get into discussing what to look for when buying a new bow and dive into the 2022 models that he has been able to shoot. Give it a listen and see what your take is on it as well. To finish this episode up, Dimitri and I talk about my late season doe tag that I was able to finally fill. So enjoy this fun episode and antler up. So uh, we have Braxton on from Hacks and Hunt. We've got a couple people on. Uh, so yeah, so we're live and, um, you know, so Braxton, I appreciate you coming on. So with Hacks and Hunt, uh, those of you that have uh, seen any of Braxton's videos probably have seen him do the the bow reviews of different scenarios of where how he you know maybe goes from one bow and does the uh the next bow like say for matthews v33 33 against say the ventum pro 33 so that's what uh i think most people i guess you could say would 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 recognize you for right off the bat, but then you've done some really cool, amazing things that I definitely want to talk to you about, about doing those giveaways. Obviously, we're kicking off our little mini-series here with some gear. So we're going to do probably these next couple weeks, we want to talk to individuals that kind of are like the gear gurus or maybe of a product or doing something cool along those lines. So for these next couple weeks, and kind of like what we said, I know I reached out to you about last year, and uh, I think for this year, after you know, finally things slowing down for all of us. We're like, Hey, reached out back to you again and figured what way to start it off with having you on dude. Yeah. I appreciate you reaching out again. I, I, I get so many like DMS just left <laughs> and right from whether people reaching out for something or somebody just asking a question about a bow. And so I always lose my, Oh crap. I probably should have pinned that DM. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man. Well, Braxton, just quickly tell people, you know, where are you coming out of? Uh, and, uh, you know, where, you know, where, where's home for you and what, what's going on for this past season? I know you got an elk down and, you know, you can even talk a little bit about that. And before we dive into, uh, the 2022 bows, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I'm born and raised in, uh, St. George, Utah. So it's very hot in uh in the summer here winters are nice i think today it's like 50 60 degrees so can't complain about that <laughs> at all uh but i am moving to northern utah come spring uh, so my wife and i are building a house up there so we're excited to start something new start a new chapter and just move forward so i'm gonna i'm gonna miss having uh tnt archery shop that i go to for all my videos so hopefully there's a shop up there that's like yeah, sure. Come on in and film some videos. I just usually just sitting there yelling at a camera. So most people think I'm a little crazy, but, uh, no, yeah. St. George is, it's awesome. It's, I mean, 30 to 45 minutes from my house, I can drive and, and basically hunt my mule deer on the unit. And then, um, about an hour, hour and a half to where I hunt elk 
for for the most part and last year i got i got way lucky on that spike i've been hunting this unit for oh man i've probably hunted it eight years and literally never pulled my bow back on an elk it has like a i think it's like one or two percent success rate during the archery hunt (laughs) Uh, just an over-the-counter just get out and have fun type of thing um and i had gotten one of my cousins into archery this year he's like dude let's go let's go up to cedar mountain like all right yeah let's let's make it happen and we'll do a lot of hiking because i literally never see an elk so (laughs) i had zero expectations and you know it always happens when you least expect it and we get to this spot that it was pretty good spot about four five miles into this hole and uh we're sitting up on this or kind of below this knoll all morning. Don't see, don't hear nothing. So I was like, all right, you know, my expectations were met. So that's, that's good. And, uh, start crawling up this knoll at like 10 o'clock that morning, um, just to try to have a little glassing point on a few little peaks. And, uh, I had all my gear just laid out, just yard sale everywhere. I'm just looking for my snacks. That's all I cared about was my snacks. And, uh, I hear this stick break down below us and I'm like, dude, this has happened to me before. And I literally always screw myself over and never grab my bow. So I'm like, I'm grabbing my bow and I'm just going to sit and wait, grab my bow. And, uh, sure enough, this little spike comes, comes running up the hill. He's sitting at 20 yards and I'm, I'm like just shaking like a leaf. I'm like, dude, this is it. Like th- it's going to happen. <laughs> and on this, uh, particular spot, it is like, so unbelievably thick like he might be sitting there at 20 yards but you literally can't see him at all like i can barely see his head and he's facing towards us so even if you know i had a shot i the angle was just pretty bad and he was kind of young obviously he's young spike spikes can be pretty dumb and I'm sitting there just trying to find a, a, a hole to shoot through. And I, I had drawn back at this point and I'm looking and I've got one of my buddies sitting down at my feet and I'm, I'm like, dude, just, just talk me through this. Cause I, I'm like freaking out. I'm like, I never see a freaking elk here. Like, I'm like, should I take the shot? Should I take a shot? He's like, dude, you don't have a shot. What shot are you going to take? <laughs> and, uh, he, the spike turned around and started running down the hill. And I was like, oh, dang it, there was my chance. So I grabbed my bugle tube. So I'd done it before in the past, trying to catch up with different spikes. And I just rip a small bugle. Sure enough, that dang thing just ran right back up the hill, right at us. That's crazy. And, uh, like sweet round two, here we go. (laughs) He came in like basically the same spot. And there's this rock that just covered his vitals, this little, little rock shelf that's sitting there covering his vitals. And I had a perfect shot right at his throat that it was like 18 yards and the dude sitting on my feet. I'm like, dude, I could throat punch this thing. Like I can just smack it. I feel good. Like, and he's like, no dude, just wait. Let's see if he takes another step for it. like, all right. So I was sitting at full draw, probably two minutes at this point, And he takes another step forward and there's a two inch hole in this like cedar tree that I'm just sitting there thinking, dude, I can't make that. I can't make that. And it's a frontal shot. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And I would start questioning myself that I like take a big, big deep breath. I'm like, dude, I literally shoot a bow like every day. This is nothing. It's 18 yards, just like a two inch hole. You got this. So I just 
held steady and let loose and that arrow just sunk completely through frontal shot it was full pass through and within probably five to eight seconds he was on the ground and you could hear him you know kind of expiring and wow. i was freaking out i i think i shared a video of it i was i was so stoked out of my mind <laughs> Well, how, dude, how do you, but I mean, just how do you wrap all that emotions? Cause like you said, you're going up there for eight years and usually never seeing a bull or an elk at all. And then here's that one chance where finally you don't get burned. Like, how did you handle that, that emotion? I was, I was literally just like freaking out. I'm sure like my cousin <laughs> has hunted maybe deer once or twice. And I, t- I told him like, dude, elk hunting's hard. Like just cause he's, he's a very optimistic person. And so he's thinking we're going to go kill bulls up there, like right off the bat. Like it doesn't happen, dude. Like <laughs> don't expect this. Like we'll, we'll try hard, but you know, we'll don't, uh, don't be let down when we don't kill nothing. And so I'm sitting there and shoot this thing and I'm looking at him and he's like, dude, we did it. Like <laughs> that doesn't happen. Like what the heck? This is your first day elk hunting. And we just smoked a freaking spike. And I was I, I have a video cause he was sitting there videoing my reaction to it. And I was just speechless. Just like could not come to terms that I had just shot a spike as, as small of a spike as it was. It was, it was the biggest bowl that I could have ever shot at that, at that moment. It was just, just, it was insane. <laughs> That's awesome. And you, now I know some people as they're going to be listening to it, just because I know there are individuals like kind of like me that are thinking like, Oh man, that's awesome. But you know, he got the full pass through on a frontal shot. You know, what is your arrow setup being that, you know, we are kind of the little gear, uh, gear heads that, that we are. Yeah, no, for sure. I, uh, I'd always shot. Um, so the bow I always hunt with is sitting at 80, 82 pounds. And for some reason, I, I don't know why, but I was always shooting a totally underspined arrow. I was shooting the 340 Eastern axis with just the regular hit insert hundred grains up front. And it worked. I mean, I shot well with it, but then I like started to understand like, wow, my arrow setup is awful for my bow. (laughs) (laughs) And so this last year I was like, all right, we're, we're going to reset some arrows. And so I ended up going just 300 um, spine Easton axis and had the, the brass insert. So I added that extra 50 grains Okay, and then had a hundred grain tip up front for fledge. So it had a little bit extra weight in the back with, with a, with a wrap. Um, so my front of center wasn't insane. My total arrow weight's like 520 grains. Yep. And I had just told myself, I was like, you know, I'm just going to try a little bit of a heavier arrow for, for the elk hunt and see what happens. And man, I was not disappointed. I was shooting those, what is it? The QAD Exodus swept blades. Okay. Um, I always try to go for the, the fixed blade and it like legitimate, like we go over to where, where he was sitting and I tried to find, you know, first blood, just see, see what it, see what it looked like, make sure it was a good hit and everything. And there's a chunk of his heart laying across this log just sitting there. I'm like, Hammered him. what in the world? <laughs> like, how did this happen? I'm like, you don't just rip the heart out and lay it across the log. And there's just blood everywhere. Just, just an insane scene. And I'm like, what the heck? And legit, I was standing where, where he was when I shot him and I peeked my head over this pine tree 
and there he is just dead right there like 20 not even 20 yards from where he was and like I was just mind blown like dude this doesn't happen so I kept telling my cousin I'm like dude this doesn't happen you don't shoot an elk here and you do, an elk doesn't die 20 yards from where you shot it like that doesn't happen <laughs> <laughs> well I think that's a a good example of you know I know growing up I never really cared about my arrow setup and you know, a lot of us just go to the shop and we kind of just pick out arrows that maybe they look good, right? Um, you, you get a little help from the, the shop there. But I think now as I get older and you see some of the, you know, whether it's your own experience or other people's experience of just a little bit changes in your arrow setups makes a huge difference. And, you know, you don't have to be a gear junkie. Um, to kind of look into that, but like just the little things, you know, you were the right spine yeah. for your setup, which is an easy question for someone to answer. If you don't really know that, that, um, you know, are you, is your weight okay? Right. You know, you too light mm-hmm. for, for what you're doing, which is easy. You take your arrow to the shop and just say, Hey, can you weigh this for me and kind of see what, you know, you don't have to go buy a scale, you know, you don't have to do, you know, a ton of research, but just the, these little things um, can really impact your hunt in a positive way that most people might not take the time to do. Totally. Yeah. And it's, it's stuff that easily gets looked over. I mean, I've got buddies and stuff that they see, I shoot bows and archery hunt and they're like, dude, I want to get into it. And so they go buy a bow, go buy arrows like that. You know, they don't, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know, um, what to expect or, that there's even a spine difference between between arrows. So they're shooting maybe a 500 spine arrow with a 70 pound bow, and I'm like, yo, dude, that's probably <laughs> probably not going to happen. But you know, we'll we'll practice, we'll blow these things up, and we'll go get you some new ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's as simple as just yeah asking your pro shopper. Just even just I mean YouTube University. That's where that's where I learn half my stuff and life in general. <laughs> I know. Well, Braxton, talk a little bit about, I, I mean, congrats to you on that. And I know, like you said, you've been getting after there in Utah for, for the last couple of years and, and having fun with that. And you've been doing the your YouTube page uh, with, with Hacks and Hunt. Now, talk a little bit about, you know, I've had, like, Demetri and I, we get questions all the time, you know, like, kind of what made you start, you know, Antler Up Outdoors? What made you start the podcast? And where did you see, you know, what kind of gave you that push over the edge, basically, to start Hacks and Hunt? And, uh, like, where did you find your niche basically? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. Kind of finding my niche has been, been an ongoing battle, um, since beginning my, so, I mean, I've always loved archery, always loved bow hunting. I mean, I've never, never really stepped into rifle hunting. I mean, I've shot one doe with, with a rifle. And so archery was kind of that specific, niche that I was like, all right, you know, let's, I want to do something with that, but I wasn't sure what, and my, my older brother actually does, um, him and his wife do YouTube full time and, um, are very, very successful with that. They're a whole different spectrum of things that uh, she does like makeup and stuff. And so I kind of, he kind of had that background. And so I talked to him like, dude, I want to do something. And so he, he was kind of the, the foot pushing me like, dude, you gotta make this happen. Like, <laughs> it's if you enjoy doing it it's something that you can really make happen in your life so I'm like all right well you know let's make it happen and I told myself I think it was in 2018 maybe 2019 um the that Thanksgiving we were all together as a family and I told him I was like all right dude 
I'm going to post three videos a week for the entire year until next Thanksgiving when we get back together. And I did that for the whole year and it just started rolling. The consistency is always the key. Um, I think for both success, but also trying to find what you want. Cause at the beginning it was like, all right, dude, I want to do hunting shows or whatever. And I hated filming my hunts. It was just awful. Cause I just <laughs> wanted to hunt. I didn't want to film it. I just wanted to hunt. So all my content with any hunting videos is just awful. Just missing the shot on everything. <laughs> I didn't care about getting the camera out. It's just, so I found out I don't like that. And so then I started kind of doing like archery, like how to, like, how do you shoot a bow? How do you tune a bow? How do you uh, build an arrow? And, and, and I enjoyed doing that, but it wasn't, wasn't exactly what I guess I was looking for. And whenever I go buy a new bow, I love shooting every single bow and just, I could go in there for four or five weeks at a time every day and just shoot and just basically do it with my eyes closed. Like, okay, what bow do I actually like? I, I don't give a crap the company. I don't give a crap how expensive, like I just want to find the bow I like and just will look forward to shooting every single day. And so started kind of doing bow reviews and then came the versus type of stuff, you know, this bow versus that bow. And it just started rolling a little bit more and more and more. And then that's kind of where, where it all started. I, I knew I wanted to do something, uh, archery, something bow hunting. And, and I, I wouldn't say I'm anything like no target shooting, target archery, anything like that. It's, it's basically all just archery for bow hunting is kind of what I guess you would say my niche is with, with, uh, reviewing and comparing different bows, but that's kind of how, how it became. <laughs> Now, was there any struggles that you found maybe when you first started posting videos or, you know, if someone's looking to get into it and, you know, they really don't know which direction to go or, you know, you said consistency is key, but was there kind of things that you found difficult or, you know, maybe you kind of questioned yourself, you know, why are you doing this or maybe you're not going to be successful kind of in that first year that you started? Yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean, I, I can't edit worth crap. I am not technology, technology, um, at all. Like I (laughs) cannot do it. (laughs) And so that was a huge learning curve for me to just, I downloaded a Adobe premiere pro and that's, that's what I still use to edit. And it's, you know, you can be so overwhelmed. You open up the software and you're like, dude, there's like 5,000 buttons. Like what in the world? I can't do this. And it's just taking a step back. I feel like from those things that there are so many different ways you can go. Like you don't have to get Adobe premiere. Like you don't have to pay for that. You can use, if you got iPhone, use iMovie. Like I feel like those little things like that kind of stressed me out where I'm like, this is too much. Like I, I this isn't my strength. I don't know this. I'm not, not even going to try. And then when I kind of took a step back and was like, you know, I'll learn one skill in you know in this in adobe premiere or adobe photoshop and when i started just doing that because my videos they're basically just cut paste cut paste cut paste like there's no transitions there's no crazy edits i have a few that i legit spend like a week on and it's probably like somebody could do in 15 minutes but it takes (laughs) me hours and hours of time just because i gotta youtube how to do it and then i gotta try to implement that in my video 
Um, and so the overwhelming part, I feel like when people want to start, there's, there's that perfection that they want to be perfect. Perfection is not, doesn't create like what I'm trying to say. It doesn't, it doesn't make your success better. And, and you always like, um, my little brother actually did a super sweet YouTube video. He, this kid can edit. So I usually call him and say, Hey dude, help me, help me. Uh, (laughs) how how do I just copy uh, a video into my video? And anyway, he, he was actually did kind of like an inspiration video um, if people want to see it, I mean, if, if you want some inspiration, his, his channel that he, he did a video is Ethan Glines. It's just his name and it's the fear of getting started. Like you fear you're not going to be good enough. You fear it's not going to hit your potential that you want it to be. You fear that you're not going to be exactly what you want it to be. It's, so it's like, you don't start. So the biggest thing is just starting, Mm -hmm. even if it's film with your, with your phone, if your phone films in six megapixels, just do it. Who cares? Just get that momentum rolling and it will just follow. And that was what has been so hard to pound in my own head is just consistency, consistency, consistency. And even last year, I know you had mentioned that you, reached out to me on, on Instagram. And, and last year I was actually off Instagram for the entire year. January 1st, I deleted all social medias except for YouTube. I still posted a few videos, but I always felt that I was kind of inadequate to everybody that I was following. Like it, it kind of like put a damper on me where it's like, Oh, so-and-so is freaking killing it. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm failing. And I, I felt like I always did that. So I took a year to, just work on myself and just realize like, dude, you know, like I'm accomplishing huge things that, yeah, it might not be accomplishing something that some other person has done. Um, but you never should compare yourself to somebody like Amen. everybody's on a different level. Everybody's doing their own thing. And you know, these, so to say overnight successors, they're not, it's not overnight. Like they started working, you know, had a nine to five job, busted their butt till two, three, four o'clock in the morning, and then went back to work. And just these little things that you don't see behind the scenes is something that I felt, I felt a lot of pressure on myself. Like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm not accomplishing that. Um, even though I was literally staying up till three, four o'clock in the morning every day to try to get my stuff going and just work, putting in the work, keeping the consistency. Um, and so, yeah, 2020 was kind of a break or 2021 was kind of a break for me. I'm just going to work on myself so that way I can give more of myself. And, and a lot of, I mean, a lot of my content and giveaways and stuff is trying to give so much. And sometimes I kind of forgot about myself. And so I'm like, all right, we'll t- we're going to take a moment and uh, take care of myself first. And that way I can, I can give so much more to so many more people, but kind of rambling off. But yeah, that's kind of what, uh, what I'd say is just finding kind of that small, quiet place where you can just focus, where you can just do one step at a time and don't let the, all of these different things overwhelm you. Just, just start. Like if you don't start nothing's going to happen. Right. 
No, so that's kind of well said, dude. And, and I think, I mean, even for someone like how Dimitri and I know, Dimitri's tried filming his hunts even back in high school, and you know, obviously, so much has changed as far as technology goes since then. And they were doing it just for fun. And I know this year, you, you, Dimitri, you stopped filming. I stopped the filming about like mid October, kind of like what you said, uh, Braxton. I just wanted to enjoy the hunt and. You know, I, it, mm-hmm. and we don't have the luxury of having so much time off where we could just go together and buddy up and say, Hey, you hunt, I'll film. Uh, and you know, just because when we have that time to get in the woods, we want to hunt. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, though, it's, it's take that dive. I, I found it for me when I started messing around as far as two for editing things, you know, just start small, start simple. Like you said, just cut it up. You don't have to do tr- crazy transitions. And I almost feel like too, those ones that are like overdone like that are just kind of, I don't know, tacky to me. I mean, that's, that, but that's my flavor. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's my personal opinion. It's not, you know, other people might be like, Whoa, that's cool. And want that look. But, um, yeah, man, I, I, I think it's cool. And you, you talked about, too, about how taking care of yourself and, you know, you do your giveaways. And I think, you know, that's a good last thing before we get into talking about your videos and some of the new, uh, the bows for this year and, and the meat and potatoes of this. But, you know, talk about your giveaways because you don't just give someone a, a bow. You give multiple people a bow. So talk about that and, and how could people get involved with that just because it is pretty cool, pretty neat, uh, and no one else out there does what you're doing for this. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I love archery, and I always put myself, you know, in the shoes of, dude, if somebody gave me a bow, like, you know how straight up, like, on crack I'd feel? <laughs> like, I would just be going nuts. And so I kind of just put myself in, I guess, my younger shoes where, um, you know, just starting archery or even somebody that's that's older that might not be able to afford a $2,000 bow and, and get into it because it is, it is a pretty pricey uh, investment to get into it. And, I mean, it doesn't have to be, but everybody kind of wants it to be, you know. Mm-hmm. So you can buy a bow for 200 bucks off Craigslist or you can go spend 2000 bucks and get a new one and you can shoot a bullseye either way. So. I always try to tell people like, don't, don't worry about getting the most expensive. Just, just get a bow and shoot. Like yep. who cares? Um, but that's kind of where the, the passion for doing the giveaways came from. Um, but everybody does giveaways, but when you put in for a giveaway, you never feel like you even stand a chance. You know what I mean? It's like, yep. all right, how many entries are in here? Like a million, two million, ten million, you know, depending on the size of the company. And they just it's kind of kind of the revenue point. It helps them, you know, make more sales. It makes them just profit way bigger than they would have, or even their following and stuff like that. And I kind of just put in the goal to to do these giveaways, but make it possible to win. So Obviously, it's not free to go buy a bow. It's not free to get everything set up and shipped off to somebody. And so it does come to a cost. Uh, so I started doing my first giveaway as um, you buy a sticker and it gets you entered into win. And um, I did 250 entries because that was that was like the minimum it could get. You know, I make $2,500 after all the sales selling a decal for 10 bucks. Now there's $500 worth of cost to, to go buy the decals, to ship them out, to run my website, um, and, and profit nothing. And now I've got $2,000 to spend and, and splurge on somebody that had put in. So now you got one in 250 chance if you spent 10 bucks. And, and so I would 
give somebody a call and there's nothing better than calling somebody up and be like, Hey dude, you just want a bow. They're like, what? Like, <laughs> they never believe me. Like this is, a, this is some kind of scam. Yep. And, uh, just the light that it brings to these people. And i probably, probably 80% of the people I've given a bow to have given it to someone, someone else because they might have already had one or, um, they, kept the new one and gave their old one to a buddy that couldn't afford it or anything. And so it just kind of is a giving snowball. It just gives to everybody. And, and the archery community is such an awesome community. Um, even the hunting community itself. And so many people want to help whoever they know, um, in any possible way. And so that was kind of my way to give back, um, and kind of, I guess give me that feeling of if it was me that got a bow, I'd be stoked. So now I get the chance to give people a call and it all kind of took kind of started. I think it was like 2019. When I started that 2020 was good. 2019 gave away a few bows the last two years on Christmas. Like I've given away a bow on Christmas. So I called him up this, this guy this year, I called him up and I called him probably like seven times and he wouldn't answer. And, uh, finally he took me. He's like, dude, who is this? And I'm like, uh, it's Haxon. Will you answer your phone? He's like, why? I'm like, uh, you want a bow? And he calls me, wait, are you kidding? Like, are you serious? <laughs> this is a joke. Uh, he was just so stoked. And I shipped that off to him right away. And he texts me every once in a while. He's like, dude, I'm so happy. Like he just absolutely loves it. Um, and then as of lately, I've got my, um, flag giveaway. So I've kind of got some veterans, my family, whether it's, you know, military vets or uh, police officers, first responders of any sort. So I've always kind of had a a large respect for first responders and veterans. And um, so I wanted to do something dedicated to them to try to help in any way that I could with my, you know, small platform. I'm not, you know, don't got a million followers. So it makes it, uh, makes it a little bit more of an intimate situation to, to help so many people. And it's, it's a tight group that, that I really enjoy. And so I did, let's see, it's two bows, um, that you win. So it's two, any, any bows that you want to choose. So you get one for yourself, but then you also get one to be able to give to somebody. Cause I'm like, I want to give somebody the opportunity to give a bow. Like that's been so fun. Been so awesome. Heck yeah. And so I just, you know, I was like, okay, we'll make this one into the, the veteran one. So it's get a bow for yourself and then get a bow to give to a veteran or to a first responder or somebody that served you in your, in your life some way, you know, whatever, whatever way that might be. And then on top of that, uh, to donate $5,000 to a, a charity, it's called wishes for warriors. They help different veterans, um, that I think that are wounded to be able to go out and have the opportunity to go hunting. They put together different events. I think in the next couple of weeks, like they're going to go to Jackson Hole, Wyoming and, and do a ski trip all together. I'll probably do some fishing or something. They always put something together like that. So I figured, you know, no better way than to share some, some cash with people that are already doing good things. And so it's 500 entries for that again. So I'm like, you know what? It's, best odds as you can like one in 500 chance and you just buy a flag on my website and then on top of that it gets but wait there's more type of stuff you know (laughs) and um 
I gave away that one I gave on Christmas. It was one in 60 chance. So there was only 60 entries. I just, I kind of pride myself at doing giveaways that I don't make any money doing this. I just straight up make it break even. So that way I can give away as many as I can. And uh, so I gave that one away. He had one in 60 chance. And then right now I've got my one in 60 chance as well going in between um, for a V3. And, and so on top of being entered in for the two bows and $5,000 to donate, you also get entered in for the one in 60 chance of that V3. So it just, it's just a, just a big giving circle, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. That's fantastic. Well, so I, I would just say for people to check that out and, and get involved in your sport and a good cause and you have a chance to possibly win one of the brand new bows that I want to dive into with you, man. And, um, you know, I, I we have our buddy Mike Marcassiano, who our own here at Antler Up, he lives out in New York, and Dimitri and I were based out of in PA, and he went this past weekend to our buddy Paul's shop up in New York and shot pretty much all the new bows from Matthews, Hoy, and Elite, uh, just because of what that bow shop offers. And I would say where you are at, you have a chance to shoot almost every single one because I guess you, I've seen you do Prime, I've seen you done uh, Hoyt, and I've seen you do Matthews, Bowtech, a bunch of different brands. So what bows have you had a chance to shoot for this 2022 uh, release so far? Yeah, so so far I've shot all the Hoyts. I shot, uh, oh, I guess, all the Hoyts except for the uh, the 30-inch uh rx7 that one hasn't been in stock yet so i haven't been able to shoot that but the rest of them i've shot shot all the matthews i've shot all the primes i've yet to shoot the botex because um i've been waiting for the new mods to come in to be able to i guess the mods that they had put on it were just shooting extremely slow and so they had to update something or something not sure exactly and so haven't shot a ton quite so far this year. I really need to get into shooting uh, shooting the Botex. I need to get into shooting the the uh, PSE. My dealer doesn't uh, sell PSEs, but like Sportsman's Warehouse in my town does, and so I might just have to go buy one to review it. So I get so many people requesting to review <laughs> the PSEs. It just gets expensive to try to go buy a few bows myself and uh, stuff. But I. Uh, I think there's a lot of good things going. I think there's some healthy competition between all the brands. I think um, there's a lot of good things. There's a lot of not so good things that, you know, might pop up over the next year or two once these boats start getting broken in and, and we start seeing things happen. But overall, I mean, I've been pretty, pretty stoked with the 2022 lineups. What would you say would be the theme so far for this year? Because, like, you could watch, I mean, obviously, like, you have your videos and there's, you know, people just, you know, whether it be, oh, hey, this bow shop has the going over the the new Prime or the new Matthews PSE. I kind of have my thought process of what I think the theme is, but I want to hear for, from, from you and see, because uh, you shot more so. I've just been watching, and I've shot a couple at ATA, um, mm -hmm. but I want to hear from from you. Yeah, I think, I think uh, kind of the the uh, trend that's going around this year is in line. I mean, everybody's using that that word. You got primes, you know, inline series. You got Hoyt's inline system, and everything's, you know, so focused on 
getting it as narrow as possible. I mean, Prime's cam systems and, and stuff are pulling those cables basically in line with your arrow. Like, they're pulling in so close. Um, Hoyt's doing similar things, and, and Hoyt and Matthew's putting in the the uh, sight, whether it's the Picatinny rail or the dovetail mount for the Matthews. And so I just feel like everybody's focused in making it just in line, making it streamlined, making it as narrow and I guess as light as, as possible. Hoyt finally uh, kind of lightened up their, their carbon series this year. So I was really excited about that. It's always been, yeah, it's a carbon, but it still weighs like six plus pounds. <laughs> and so it's, uh, I feel like that's kind of been, that as well as like the tunability for people to do it at home or, um, you know, make it easier on the bow shops. I know Bowtech's always had that, uh, tuning system, the, what is it? The inner lock or something mm-hmm. lock. I can't remember the name of it. And then now Matthews has the, you know, in the field bow press where you can squeeze the, the string and, and add that little cable to the cam. So that way you can twist your string if you need, if you got peep twist or, throw a new string on there so i think people are companies are trying to go make it a little bit easier and and more capable out out in the field and and yeah in line with with everything right dimitri how do you want to run this down do you want to go by like kind of like a brand do you want to do you have any kind of generalized questions before we break it anything down i just think maybe uh, you could give your opinion, say, you know, if you said early on you personally wanted to find a bow that you just enjoyed shooting, right? So maybe describe if you were a person that, ha- you know, obviously budget is the most important thing. Um, but if, say, someone had no budget, like you said, they wanted to go after a flagship bow and they were not brand specific what's your recommendation, you know, maybe besides just going to shoot and everything, is there any other details or opinions or where to start with someone that's kind of looking and is ready to the plunge, you know, you know, they got a ton of money for Christmas or whatever, and they are ready to commit to that flagship bow, but they're looking for the right one. What's your recommendation for someone in that situation? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think with somebody in a situation where they've gotten to that point, they're ready to pull the trigger, and they're not sure what um, would be to kind of pick apart themselves. You know, how how tall are they? Is is in a longer axle axle to have a a wider string angle going to feel better? Is you know some people are barely breaking five feet tall, so you know you could go with a twenty eight inch axle axle. <laughs> set up and it's going to feel like a, like an ultra to somebody that's over six feet tall. And so I think just kind of deciphering, okay, your height, even your, your, your weight or your strength. Um, and then what type of hunting are you going to be doing? Are you sitting in a ground blind? Are you hunting whitetails up in a tree stand? Are you elk hunting, you know, going out for a full on spot and stock hunt? Um, cause I mean, out, East, most shots are probably under 60 yards for the most part. I mean, that's everybody I've talked to. They're like, oh, dude, I would never take a shot over 60 yards. And then you got 
us guys out west that are like, oh, <laughs> that, that buck's sitting at 80 to 100 yards. Oh, I got this. No problem. You know, so it's like totally different dynamic, even depending on what part of the country you're in. And so try to f- hone in on what you're going to be doing the most. Obviously, some people are going to, you know, be sitting in a tree stand for the most part, but they're, they're, they want to get out and go do a spot and stock elk hunt or mule deer hunt. And, and so in that case, you'd want to go, you know, 50, 50, kind of meet in the middle maybe. Um, and then kind of do your research a little bit, whether it's just watching YouTube videos on what people are liking and kind of find the trends that people are going. Cause every year there's a trend. There's that number one seller. There's, there's what people like and what people don't like for the most part shooting a bow is going to be pretty streamlined, um, but it is different for every single person. And that's, that's what makes it so much more fun to have so many different options. Um, and then kind of what I look for when I shoot a bow, like I could do it with my eyes closed and pick what bow I would want. Like obviously the look of it is sometimes a big part of it because if it looks really stupid, I don't want to be shooting it. I, I think there's uh, <laughs> Knights of the Apex posted a picture of uh, I won't I won't throw their name under the bus, but uh, with the tramp stamp their logo <laughs> looks it looks like the tramp stamp. We I already talked about that one. last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that, that's an important aspect, you know. If you got a tramp stamp sitting on your riser, it might not uh, sell as much, but um, if it felt like a dream that you know throw some group tape on there and just cover it up or something but um the main the next main thing i would i kind of look for is um something that's like i said the the, your strength something that's going to be in your category so i've been shooting a bow since i was like 10 years old and so my bow pulling strength i guess you could call it is is a lot stronger than even somebody that goes to the gym every single day and so i do like a heavier setup so i always go with an 80 pound bow and so there's only you know not every company makes that 80 pound bow um so i kind of narrow it down that way if you're open to just 60 70 pounds which is 100 percent capable of killing absolutely anything so that's we don't have to get into a draw weight, uh, battle here. Um, it's kind of comes down to that and then put it in your hand and see, see how it feels, see how the balance feels and and just like the grip in itself. Like I love how the Matthew shoots, but I absolutely hate the grip. It just doesn't fit my hand. Um, I got fat knuckles on my thumb and my knuckle just like it sits in this little lip of the, of the riser and the grip and it totally torques the bow and it's not enjoyable to shoot. Cause I just, once I get past like 50 yards, my groups are awful. And so I can pull that grip off and it, and I shoot just fine. And so kind of going through the different grips or different just overall feel um, of a bow. And then the, the draw cycle, that's, you know, if, if you want to shoot a hundred arrows a day, or if you're only going to shoot once a year, just to prepare for the hunts, like draw cycle is not going to be as important if you're only shooting a couple times versus if you're shooting every single day, you want something comfortable. You want something easy to pull. You want something that, 
that isn't going to rip your shoulder off every single time you pull it back. Um, and so I, I love a smooth draw. I love being able to shoot for long periods of time, very, you know, very often. And when I go to the 80 pounds, I need something a little bit more smooth than if I was shooting 60 or 70, cause it does make it a bit harder. Um, and so this year I, I, I'm actually going with the, uh, RX seven ultra because when I drew that back, that string angle felt, it just felt like home plate for me. Like it was just perfect. I didn't have to adjust my head at all to feel where that string is and touch that string on my nose and, and anchor in the most comfortable position to where I feel like if I had to hold, um, a drawn back position for five minutes, like I feel like I could do it with that bow. And then, you know, after the shot effects, there's no jump forward, there's no hand vibration and that stuff doesn't matter as far as accuracy. If you're shooting, you know, just so often, but if you're shooting constantly, it, I feel like it does make a difference because it is comes back to the comfortability of it. Like if, your hands not just being pounded over and over and over you're gonna be able to shoot it a little bit longer um i mean like my rx1 i have it feels like a freight train every time i shoot it like it's <laughs> it's just a solid brick but i i when that bow came out i absolutely loved it and i still love it i can still shoot it super accurate but it's not not the smoothest and most comfortable bow out there by any means so i think to kind of slim it down is find out what you want out of it. Cause I mean, it's, it's be like the same thing with guns. Like if you're, if you're going to go rifle hunting and you know, you're not going to shoot anything over past 200 yards, you're going to go with a certain scope setup or a certain caliber versus shooting something well over a thousand yards. And so kind of hone in on what you're going to be focusing in on and then kind of humble yourself with your draw weight because it doesn't have to be heavy. It, it does not have to be Cameron Haynes. If, if you can shoot that comfortably, by all means, just like go for it. Like who cares? But if you're comfortable at 60 pounds, don't feel pressure that you're less than somebody shooting 80 pounds or 90 pounds. Like who cares? You know what I mean? Right. It is time for this week's Vortex Nation Highlight. Hunting in the cold presents many challenges and one of them being keeping your feet warm. One hack that has helped me over the last two seasons is placing an Ugg wool foot insert into my boot. But another one is cutting an old sock that will fit over top of your boot and placing a hand warmer on top of your boot laces and using that sock to keep it in place kept my feet warm on Saturday when I was able to fill my last doe tag. Give it a shot this next season and let me know what you think. So yeah. many people get caught up. Cause with... even that, even just like with a 60 pound bow, like how we talked about earlier in this podcast, we were just saying, as long as you have your right setup, I mean, you could just be dialed in and, and I mean, the bows are today are just so efficient. I mean, over the last couple of years, they've, they've been so super efficient and with that right setup, mm-hmm. I mean, you're like you said. There's nothing that you have to worry about with 60 pounds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel like so many people are, are you know, those keyboard warriors. If you shoot <laughs> less than 70 pounds, they're always 
railing in on you. And even if you shoot 80 pounds, you get all the keyboard people that are just yelling at you. You don't need anything more than 60. Yeah, you're right. You don't. Right. But if you can do it comfortably and shoot a hundred arrows a day, like, and it, if, that, if that's what makes you happy, just do it. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's so many, those people hidden in their basements on their computer, just <laughs> ripping people apart. It's like, who cares what people do? Like, I don't give a crap. If you go shoot a $200 diamond edge bow, like sick, like let's go freaking shoot. Like who yep. cares if you have a expensive setup? Like that's not, that's not the part that matters. Matters getting out and just doing it. Yep. Well, and I think you even made some good points of when you're shooting these bows, I think a lot of mistakes people make is, is not thinking about the whole shop process, you know, because you go into the shop, they're going to maybe set up your draw length. If you're lucky, you know, if you have a good shop, they're actually going to set the draw length. If you're shooting the bow, you know, but there's not going to be, there's going to be a rest on there, but there's not going to be most likely a sight on most of those bows. And and you were saying you're actually feeling for the grip of how it felt in your hand you're checking the string angle. A lot of people, they're going to go up to the range, they're going to take that bow, and they're going to draw it back, and they're not, they're just going to kind of, since it's not set up, just maybe anchor it quickly and, and shoot it, right? And then a lot of these bows, you're you're basically picking off the draw cycle, and there's a lot more to that than the draw cycle, right? You talked about your grip, your string angle. You know, maybe you want to let that bow down and see how that let off feels for you. If you're, you know, whitetail hunter or, you know, you hunt a lot of brush where you might have a lot of those situations. So I think take your time with each bow too, when you're in that shop um, and kind of really get the feel for that bow. Don't just draw back, shoot it three or four times and, you know, and just kind of pit, base that off that. I think you got to kind of dive in. If you're going to spend the money for an expensive bow, really make sure that's the one for you. Totally. Totally. And I like how you brought up, yeah, the letdown. I mean, how many situations have anyone been in where you're drawn back and that buck is looking at you, but he's got brush in front of him or he's quartered too hard towards you. You're going to hit that shoulder blade and you can't hold it back more than a minute and a half, two minutes. So you got to let it down. And there are a few bows that the second you start letting it down, it's, it's like a parachute. It just, <laughs> just blows up in front of you um, versus being able to just smoothly let it down and create as little movement as possible. So that way, you know, it doesn't catch that deer, that elk's attention. Um, that's, that's definitely a, a really good point. I had that happen yesterday on some dough. I had to let it, let it down. And luckily, you know, my setup is pretty solid and slowly let it down. And a couple minutes later, I was able to draw back and get a shot off and put, finally put some meat in the freezer for me. Um, but you know, I, I, I want to say too, uh, you know, you just, like you said, man, just find that comfort level and it, and the comfort level speaks to all the things what you just talked about that grip, you know, how comfortable are you letting it down? And I think once you, once you nail it down and, and like you said, Braxton, you just find what you want and, and you, uh, you can make that purchase. And, uh, you know, I just think you go in there with open mind and, you know, and you shoot what you like and you figure out too. I think after you shoot so many, you, get a feel for what you like and what you don't like and what you feel like you could shoot all day and not shoot all day. Yeah, totally. And whenever people ask me, Hey, do I'm going to go buy a boat? Should I go buy? 
for the most part, it's like, I don't know, I'm just going to shoot them all and see what, see what you feel is best. And then you get people that are like, no, no, I want you to tell me what bugs buy. <laughs> so then I sit there and I'll ask them, okay, how tall are you? How strong are you? How much do you weigh? How, what are you going to hunt with? Like all these different questions. And then I'm like, okay, you're six and a half feet tall. You're 300 pounds. You're just pure muscle. So let's get you a giant bow. Let's go no, no smaller than like a 34 inch axle axle bow. So you actually like shooting, yep. give somebody a, a V327 or whatever. They're going to absolutely hate, <laughs> hate their that. life trying yep. to look through this little tiny peephole. Yep. <laughs> and so, I mean, that, that's an easy situation where somebody could be like, yeah, don't, don't, don't buy a small bow. Like you right. need something longer axle axle. But again, as far as, the budget and price range goes so many people talk about you know buying the flagship bow it, it is cool it is the the cool thing to do i guess you could say so many people give you a crap if you shoot you know a uh, uh, not flagship bow kind of a lower end bow more of a budget bow but who the heck cares like some uh i don't even know the name of it some company sent me this this bow they're like hey we just want to see your thoughts on our bow. So like, all right, cool. I haven't done a video on it yet, but I looked it up. It's like 260 bucks for this bow. It's a five to 70 pound bow draw length. Probably. I think it's like 25 to 32. Like it's spectrum is massive, but it comes with a bow. It comes with a quiver, it comes with arrows, a release stabilizer sight, rest, literally everything except a target, including a case and everything for like 260 bucks. Wow. So, I'm going to do a review on it. Like, okay. Like if you don't want to spend money on a bow, but you want to actually try to get into it and see if you like it, like that's an awesome opportunity. Go drop a couple hundred bucks and, and enjoy shooting. Yeah. It's not the top of the line stuff, but my goal is to take that bow and go try to shoot a hundred yards with it and see how it goes. Right. No, <laughs> yeah. Geez. For price some isn't everything. Yeah. For some people that's uh two tanks of gas. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> But. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but well, here here's what I want to ask you. What are some of the things then that you do like with some of the bows this year? Like what ha- like and you could even say the name of the brand. Like we're not affiliated, you know, we we don't have a, you know, sponsorship or anything like that. So like who what are some of the things you've liked and I would say I guess, you know, obviously follow that up with some of the dislikes. Yeah, yeah. Um my number one this year has been that RX-7 Ultra. It's like this, I don't know. The second I grabbed it off the shelf, it I was sold. Like it just felt perfect. And, and that's saying felt perfect for me. It's not going to feel perfect for everybody. Um, and one thing I did like is the balance of it. I felt like the weight distribution of it was perfectly placed and that kind of had a good solid base to it versus um one thing that i do like the matthews but one thing i don't really like is the balance of it not necessarily when in in a shooting position where it's vertical it's in your hand in front of you that balance is pretty good but as simple as just carrying that thing and when you have a horizontal it's so top heavy um it just doesn't feel as easily carried I guess if, if that's making any sense. So like when you're out hiking around, I mean, I do a lot of spot and stock and hiking and carrying your bow with it down by your side is 99.9% of the time what you're doing with your bow. And so if it's not going to feel comfortable carrying, you're not going to enjoy it as much. And so balance of that, it's, 
kind of one of those small things that I look for. Um, and I, I feel like Hoyt has done a really good job and even, um, prime as well. Prime kind of has their, their grip placement, like dead center of their riser versus, you know, a little bit on the lower end where it's going to have more top heavy, like the Matthews Hoyt kind of figured it out and just made it a little bit thicker at the bottom. I'll threw it a little extra weight, especially with that new, uh, little tiny stubby stabilizer thing that kind of helps it right out of the box. Um, and then prime their inline system. Like it's cool, but I'm going to be really curious to see how that cable. So the cable comes in on the cam and like is just totally, I, I don't know if it's going to cause very much torque or not, but it's totally pulled into the center, like pretty hard. And the ones I was looking at, it it's rubbing on the module like pretty bad. And so I don't know if after, you know, a thousand plus shots, if that's going to hold up, if it's, if it's not going to, you know, make any effect at all, or if that string's going to continue to wear down right there on that serving and, and expose the string. I know Hoyt, their few strings have been a little bit, crappy on the ventum uh, the serving on the end loop is coming off on like almost every venom that i've seen and so most people replace that and that's same thing with matthews i mean zebra strings i am not a big fan of. Just, <laughs> i don't think anybody is they just suck yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no nobody like i don't know why matthews doesn't swap that up but you know they still sell bills so i mean if they're getting it for a discount might as well right <laughs> but that's kind of what I've been seeing. Um, those are the main bows that I've shot prime Hoyt and, and Matthews this year. I really need to dive deep into the bow tech just to see how that goes. I, I've heard really good things and I've also heard awful things about the bow tech. So I like to, when I, when I go in to do a review, I, I like try to meditate myself to where, I forget any prior knowledge that people have said or that I even know myself about that bow, because if you feel a certain way about it already, you're, you're going to be not, not much is going to change. Right. Um, and so behind the scenes when I'm filming, it's before I put press record, I draw that bow back with my eyes closed and I sit there and I pay attention to every little detail, trying to decide what, how and how this bow is going to feel because on camera, if I was filming that, it's going to be really awkward silence. Just watching me, my eyes closed <laughs> with the bow for five minutes. Like, uh, and so I, I try to do that before every video. So I know and gather my thoughts before I start filming and reviewing and stuff. And so a lot of thought and then also a lot of forgetting any, like I said, any prior knowledge is, kind of what I try to do to be unbiased and try to have a true opinion in that moment. And again, it's how I shoot my bow. It's how I feel with those bows. Right. Um, and you know, people are like, no, that bow sucks. I'm like, okay, yeah, that bow sucks for you. Like who cares? Like, right. Right. <laughs> doesn't mean it sucks for me. <laughs> <laughs> now here's a, here, here's a question regarding some of those, as far as, you know, the draw cycle on that, especially now when you, when you are testing them, you, are you doing any of them at, 80 pounds because I know some bows now are getting to the shop where you could obviously adjust it or they're being shipped with 80 pounds or are you normally doing the 70? I typically kind of have the base standard as 70 and 30. 
Okay. Um, 30 inch draw, 70 pounds. Um, my local shop, he won't, he doesn't buy or order any 80 pound for the, for the shelf, but he always just does that. Just, you know, you got to order it yourself. And so that kind of makes it hard. I wish, and I get so many requests, like do this in 80, do this in 80. I'm like, I wish I could. Yeah. I'm going to obviously do that with my RX seven ultra cause it is going to be 80. And I, that's probably been the number one most requested video so far is they want to see how that one actually performs at 80. Cause yeah. it isn't the fastest bow. And so having that little extra poundage is going to be kind of nice to get a little extra speed out of it. Cause the reason why I asked that is cause I remember seeing back in November when these bows were getting released, uh, Brandon McDonald, he did a, like a Instagram story and, he said when he went and shot some of the new bows, uh, at the time it was just Matthews and Prime. Like he was, he shot, he was pull, he tried to pull back the Prime in eighty, and he was like laughing because he said he couldn't do it, you know. And he's pulled eighty, you know, effort, effortlessly with a bunch of different bows, and he struggled to get the eighty pound uh, back on the Prime. Really, yeah. that's good to know. That's yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I'd be really curious to see. The prime, at, at least my local shop, it hasn't been a seller this year. The inline, uh, and so he's even debating whether to sell prime anymore. And so they've always been one of the top sellers there. Hoyt and Prime has been kind of the best sellers that he's had in this series. Like, dude, I don't even want to carry it anymore. Right? Which, I don't know. I, I liked the dual cam. I liked kind of the robust. Uh, robustness of it i liked i don't know i liked how it felt i felt like it was more solid but again that's just kind of what i've noticed a little bit well that's what we liked i mean dimitri shoots a nexus four and uh i kind of i kind of agree with you i liked what made them prime basically was that you know technology of, of the dual cam track system and i get the idea of how the cam lean you know how we kind of eliminated that mm-hmm. and um yeah it'll be interesting to see how they sell you know i said from a from a maybe a bow shop standpoint those that were kind of so sketchy on wanting to work on a prime because of all the different strings and just the time that it it takes to to possibly get one set up and tuned up you know now obviously with the three strings it's a heck of a lot easier um but what does that but what does that take away as far as you know your performance maybe you know yeah and it might too just be cost of manufacturing as well trying to keep their price points lower you know now you only sell two cams on one bow instead of four mm-hmm. so that's cut in half on the cam costs and so i mean so many people are you know kind of complaining about the hoyt price i mean what is it 17.99 for the ultra carbon and yeah that's extremely expensive i feel like but you know how expensive is your gas like like you said like <laughs> yep you know, filling up your truck twice over 200 bucks. It's, it's just insane. Everything, all manufacturing, all shipping costs. If anything's made overseas, like shipping is insane. And so that might be something that primes kind of take into consideration is just costs of anything and just trying to lower that. So that way they don't have to raise their price to 15, 1600 bucks or whatever. Right. Well, here's, we had a question in from William. William wants to know, is there anything that you believe that bow companies need to focus on now that, uh, more or less, uh, that they significantly evened out the playing field? So is there anything that you think they need to focus on now that things are kind of, you know, getting, you know, everybody's kind of like, I feel like years ago we were in that super 
speed mode where all these cams were so aggressive. And then I would say the last two, three years, we were on that comfort level. And I feel like from just listening to other people uh, and then from me shooting some of the bows at ATA, the ones that were there, you you could kind of feel that kind of coming back. Like how can we mesh the comfort, but also still be in high performance and having that little bit of a stiffer draw, you know, where, where, what do you think people need to do? Yeah. I mean, like, the uh, the perfect bow would be like the draw of a of a Bowtech Revolt, and then the speed of some you know a Hoyt Turbo or PSE. Like having the comfort and speed would be the perfect storm. That would obviously, if you get speed, you're going to get away from comfortability. If you're comfortable, you're going to get away from speed. And so, if you were able to combine those, like I feel like that would be by far the number one seller. Uh, one thing that I feel like I kind of wish when, when I'm just tinkering around with, with my old or my own bows and just throwing as simple as rests on like the Hoyt's uh, riser that's got that little piece that goes right behind the rest. Some rests don't even fit. Nope. Um, and then I was throwing a rest on my V3 and the roller guard is sitting there smacking the housing of my Trinity uh, or Hamsky Trinity rest. Yeah. And so I feel like they are becoming so compact and so in line with everything that it's not leaving space for the things that you got to put on. <laughs> Obviously with the picky tinny rail that, that Hoyt's come out, like that's nice. Now you're going to be able to have a little bit slimmer of a quiver on the side. You're going to have, so to say that better balance and same with, with Matthews, but you're kind of sacrificing so many things in that little spot. You got to throw your rest. Like that's, and Hamski's come out with that that new smaller, skinnier, thinner rest that hopefully is gonna, you know, fix fix a few of those problems. But that's gonna cause a lot of people to go need to go buy another rest. Right. Like some people don't want to go drop another two hundred bucks on a rest. Well, and what and, and what and what sucks about that too is, man, you look at that hybrid pro. That hybrid pro is is a great rest in between. And it's only a hundred, you know, maybe at a shop, you could get it for like one sixty. you know, now this mm-hmm. new one is, is a hundred dollars more than that, which I mean, I listen, I, I love Hamski. I would, I would probably pay that price if, if need be, if just because of, you know, Oh, that this is the only one that fits on a bow, but man, like that's a whole extra hundred bucks. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. I mean, it, once you start putting everything together, like it adds up my, Hoyt, it's you know just naked bow itself is eighteen hundred bucks, and I got to go buy a three hundred dollar rest and five hundred dollar sight. Like it's just just gets way too expensive. <laughs> More money than rifles nowadays with carbon barrels that are costing you fifteen grand. So it's like it's just slowly becoming that, and obviously yeah, market changes and inflation and everything. But it yeah, just having having the ability of these companies to create it to be almost a little bit more open and tunability and easeability of mounting it yourself. You know, some shops have the ability to change things up or modify things their way because they, you know, I've put on 500 rests that week or whatever. And so people at home like myself or people that just like putting it together themselves, they might not figure out all of those little tips and tricks to, to mount those and I just feel like I feel like if they made it a little bit easier and just kept it a little open, 
a little bit more open there. It, I don't know. That's something I would look forward to is yeah. if they ever do something like that. But how about any any comments you could make on? I know you didn't shoot the PSE or the Botex yet, but anything you saw or um, maybe a video you watched or the releases they had that you can kind of just give any insight on your initial reaction to those bows. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I've talked with the. Uh, AJ Knights of the Apex for for a little bit about his his PSE and it's seems like an incredible bow. I, I uh what bow was I, I always forget all the names, but they're a carbon one. Uh, I think it was the Carbon Air last year, two years ago or something. I had never shot it, but I picked it up at my local sportsman's um warehouse and the weight of that is like a joke. It's just like <laughs> featherweight, which just blows me away. It's not the prettiest looking bow in my opinion, but at that point it doesn't really matter. Uh, when, when you start comparing PSE from where they were five years ago to where they are now, especially with John Dudley on board, I feel like they're being a lot more innovative. They're, they're, kind of rolling down the hill with a lot of momentum um two three years ago i i got a couple requests to do pse videos um and now it's every hour i get a comment hey you need to you need to review the levitate you need to review pse you need to do this i'm like i'm trying guys i just <laughs> i don't get the funds to just go buy four more bows yeah right um so i am i am excited to see and play with with the uh with their carbon levitate um, the one thing that uh, on PSE, they don't really have like a roller guard. It's more of just a cable guard. I don't know how that kind of comes into play. Cause I haven't messed with it at all. I don't know if it's going to feel cheaper or more torque or anything. Obviously it's a straight shooter. Like it's an incredible bow from everything I've seen. Um, but that's one thing that I've always questioned. Like, why don't they just do a roller guard? Like they just have the little rod sticking out the back, like yep. like the old days. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Bowtech, they're, I mean, they've always been kind of hammered for their limb pockets being the composite or whatever. And and so many people, if I review that and say it's a good bow, they're, no, you're an idiot. It's not a good bow. It's got plastic limb pockets. And it's going to blow up in your face. I've yet to ever meet or hear a story that it's blown up in anyone's face. I don't know if you guys have heard that, but for myself, I've yet to uh, meet someone that's had a bow take blow up. And so I think then having that, I mean, there's helmets in the military that are made out of that stuff, like the bulletproof craps made out of that composite. And so I think Botex saving maybe a little bit of money on that but their tunability with having that again i can't even remember the name the interlock system or whatever to where you can swap over where your cam is lining up i think that that is brilliant and i've i haven't tuned uh, a bowtech with that yet just because i haven't bought one and i, I really want to just because they are awesome bows um but that's that's one thing I I really look forward to using when I do get a Bowtech, whether it's this year or a couple of years down the road, if they still have that that system, or go on my Craigslist and just start buying used ones so I can save thousand bucks. <laughs> um, that's 
something I feel like Botech's been really good at is being friendly to the uh, the shops and the Botechs to adjust and tune for each each one of their customers. Mm-hmm. Now, now, do you feel there's any other reason to go carbon over aluminum besides the weight? I mean, because you're talking a significant price jump to go from the aluminum to the the carbon. And, you know, obviously the weight difference is the big thing there. Is there anything other that, that makes you go towards that? As dumb as it sounds, I like that when it's 20 degrees outside, you're not grabbing an icicle. And I never thought that I'd be that guy that said, yeah, your bow stays warm. Like that just sounds like a complete joke to me, but it really truly does make a difference because I, I can't shoot a bow with gloves. I hate shooting a bow wearing gloves. And if I'm sitting in a tree stand and it's 20, 30 degrees outside or even hiking around and you're holding your riser, just turning your fingers into icicles with an aluminum. And I didn't think it was that big of a deal until I had my RX one and it's carbon. And then I went to my VXR 28 and that totally made a huge difference i mean it wasn't even that cold it was like maybe 35 40 degrees in the mornings and and i totally noticed it like i didn't realize that my rx1 was so to say keeping my hand warmer and so i'm excited to shoot the rx7 with that but is it really worth the price not necessarily. I like the way that the aluminum shoot, especially in the Hoyt lineup. Uh, I, I love the Venom. I love the Venom Pro. Um, I, I feel like in years past with like when they have the RX3 and the Axios or RX4 with the, oh my gosh, what was it? Um, it was the, I can't remember, but there's like the Hyperforce, there's yeah. the Axios, there's Helium. Any of the, the helix, oh, yeah. the, the helix, yeah. Helix, yeah, yeah helix. helix. I felt like those all outshot the carbon um, models of those years. And so I bought a couple, or I had a helix, I had a hyperforce. Uh, actually, I had a couple hyperforces because that one, that one's fast. I actually have one right now that I gave to a buddy. He's doing a bow shoot next weekend and he didn't have a bow. He's, he sold his. I think he had a Nexus 4 because he loved the RX-7. So he sold that, bought the RX-7. It's not coming in yet. So I'm like, dude, you shoot my Hyperforce. I think it's shooting like 320 feet a second right now. And he's like, dude, I just sighted in and I had to use my fastest sight tape. And so that bow, I just feel like <laughs> it's not the smoothest drop. That sucker's fast. I don't know why it is so fast, but it just it's just chucking those arrows. Um, and so I guess going back to carbon and aluminum it's not necessarily all worth the price i'll flat out say that but if price isn't really that big of a deal to you carbon is at least this year with the hoyt lineup i i think it it is in its own league uh the rx7 does shoot well better than than the uh, venom pro um, and so I, I can, I can justify it cause it's a tax write off. So, you know, it's just <laughs> spend more money. It saves you some money. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be That's the whole point. You got to justify it. Yeah. I'm going to be really intrigued then when you do possibly get a chance to get your hands on that levitate, just to see how, how you feel just because like too, like, like Dimitri said, like I've never really had the chance to even mess around shooting other boat, like carbon bows, just because it's never really been in my price range. So I was like, well, I don't want to shoot it and love it and then be kind of up shit's Creek without a paddle trying to afford one. So <laughs> I, uh, totally, you know, but you know, now that I'm getting older and you know, things are getting a little bit more easier, maybe one day that that could be happening within the next couple of years. And I just want to see, uh, kind of now, like what your opinion is just because you shot carbon for so long, you know what I mean? Like you could literally mm-hmm. compare yeah. and from everything that I've seen and, and heard and watched and talking to some friends that have either an RX-7 on order or have shot it, they love it. They said it is a, a straight, just a gangster shooter, and um, I'm anxious to see. And the same thing kind of too with the Levitate. I've heard when you get a Levitate kind of all rigged up to your setup, uh, it's even shoots even better than just bare bow. So I, I think that's pretty cool that, uh, you know, as a, a new bow individual person you know trying to make a purchase of one and you want a carbon bow that you actually have now on an opportunity to possibly get two really good bows yeah yeah and i think that levitate it's it's really uh yanked my interest towards it more and more every day and so i think uh with my giveaways once i get this v3 given away uh, with the 60 entries i think i might just pull the trigger and go buy one and uh make that the giveaway bow so i can still purchase it but give it away and just do some videos and stuff of it because contents contents kind of hard to come by with PACs for me so yeah no for sure for sure well but, yeah well, it's a sweet bow will william uh, asked another question he wants to know on the same lines of the with the aluminum versus carbon uh it, what is prime doing with their grip uh so what prime was doing with their grip that they have right now uh, it's, they call it their nano grip and it's basically this gel along the riser uh, that is basically used the same technology that nasa uses to keep the uh astronauts warm and then they throw that rubber grip over top of it which and you know for dimitri and i haven't previously owned uh the the nexus uh so last year when they introduced this it it does work uh it it is it is kind of i wouldn't it doesn't say i don't want to say warm to the touch but it does not get cold and it's it's a pretty cool little technology that they got and uh, you know so uh, and they do have it uh, as well on their their inline uh series bows this year yeah that's that's one thing that i did love especially with the nexus is that new grip um I felt like it just it just fit in your hand so naturally, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, yeah, having that nanotechnology or NASA technology stuff is just awesome. Because yeah, when you grab a cold aluminum riser, when it's I don't really hunt when it's so cold outside, <laughs> but uh, if it was ten degrees or zero or anything below that, that I just yeah, I would be in pain. That's for sure. <laughs> yep. No, nope. I hear you, man. Well. Dimitri, do you have anything else as far as the 2022s or anything for bows? No, I'm just uh, excited. To, hopefully, we can get down to the Harrisburg Outdoor Show and, you know, yeah. Lancaster Archery's there. So we should have an opportunity to shoot a lot of the bows this year and kind of get our hands on them a little bit. 
For sure, man. Well, Braxton, man, I, I appreciate you coming on, dude. Like, where could people follow follow you along if they're already not and uh, give that a shout out for them? Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Um, I'm, for the most part, good on Instagram and YouTube, and that's about it. Uh, and it's just Haxen Hunt, H-A-X-E-N, and then Hunt, um, both my YouTube and Instagram. And then my uh, website, if anybody wants to get in on any giveaways, it's haxenhunt.com. So pretty simple there. And, yeah, simple, small entries on those. So I just try to give as many of those away as I possibly can. Yeah, dude, go go buy a flag. I'm I'm contemplating on doing it right now because <laughs> I want I want to <laughs> uh, I might want to win a bow so um, def, definitely hey, you got the chance yeah chances got, are pretty high <laughs> yeah I like it dude no man and it gives back which is really cool so get, go give them a follow go check out Hacks and Hunt on YouTube like you said and obviously on Instagram and dude I appreciate you coming on this was a fun conversation and uh, hopefully hopefully we could uh, get a chance to do this again in the future dude yeah for sure yeah we will for sure keep in touch and. I think more things will come of it by far in the future. Absolutely, man. Well, I'll reach back out to you here uh, probably a little bit later on tomorrow and just to kind of catch up for a, a last few minute things that I might need for for a post on Wednesday, and that's all. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, dude. Thank have you a, again for having me. My hunt yesterday? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we'll wrap this up uh, before we, we say goodbye on this week's episode. I figured get him – Give Braxton a breath of fresh air just to kind of, you know, I'm sure he doesn't really care about me killing a doe. So, uh, <laughs> so what, what it's today's the 16th, so it's January 16th, Sunday. Uh, tomorrow, the 17th, is the last day. Uh, however, I have in service day, so I have a normal school day, uh, all meetings. So, Saturday, the 15th, was my last chance to get out there and finally. Uh, kill something. So, uh, Dimitri, we had we celebrated your little boy's first birthday, and at night, my after the party, my daughter was going to stay at my in-laws, and I kind of go in that area uh, of that surrounding area, and that is where I go for my uh, late season where I have access to to hunt. It looked good because of we're getting the storm as we speak, and what ended up happening was. I got up in the stand right about, I want to say, 2.20, I got up in the saddle. And I got in this area, or kind of laid out. It, think of a, of a big circle, and in the middle of that circle, there's a top of a hill, and it drops down pretty significantly, saddles up on, on, on a side, on each side. But down on the side closest to, what would you say that is? That's the north side, if my direction's right. Yeah. There's a real thick little bedding area. And there's trails that go northeast, west, and south through this. And I got up in this. I even think the tree was dead. But it, it seemed that it was strong enough to hold me. So I got the Skeletor sticks and I've been using that ultimator. So I've been, I brought four sticks with me with that ultimator. I tied it up as high as I could reach. I, I, I'm getting pretty high in those with the four sticks and the eight and I love them. They're solid as a rock. I got up in there and within 20 minutes, I just started glassing and I saw movement already. And I said, okay, sweet. They're already up on their feet. I got in undetected because usually from my, my entrance way, 
sucks every single no matter which direction just because of how where these deer kind of bed and, and the way they move you're either it's it's a flip of the coin so i got in undetected got up i saw these deer start moseying around getting some food and out of nowhere coming off the top of that ridge was this little spike buck <laughs> and he gets to uh 26 yards because i ranged the spot and I was behind the tree, and he got downwind, and he kind of got spooked a little bit. And he kind of took off, and he started blowing when I he was out of sight. And I watched the the way the does from the opposite side were, uh, how their reaction was to that. And they kind of just moseyed or kept going about their business. They didn't kind of spook. They didn't go crazy because he came in by himself. So as I'm watching these deer now, these doe, they're about 70 yards all past this thick stuff. And I, I watched them for about 15 minutes and nothing. I lost sight of them, didn't see anything at all for the rest of the night. Fast forward, 5 o'clock, and I'm going to have for this week's Vortex Nations uh, highlight a little tip that I used uh, <laughs> for, for to, to keep my feet warm this past week. But So it was 5 o'clock. Last shooting light is, I think, 5.30 or 5.24. Well, not only couple minutes later and I'm talking three minutes later all of a sudden I'm glassing out of you know the whole thing Heather texts me my wife and she goes are you gonna get down I was kind of I was kind of like man this is it like this is the end of the season I wanted to stay till last light Mm -hmm. and I I gave it five more minutes and so at this point it's like 10 after five and I started to pack things up just quietly and slowly and next thing you know it, out of nowhere, this doe is like 50 yards just coming through this thick, nasty stuff. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, here we go. I have an opportunity. Then behind her is another big doe. And I'm watching the first one that I saw worked away from me. I was like, crap. If they're going to take that line, I'm gonna, I might not have a shot opportunity. Well, the second doe, the one, the bigger one, she came cutting across through the thick stuff. And I had an opportunity. And I ranged it real quick. And it was 26 yards. And I was like, money. Well, I drew back. And as I was drawn back, she kind of kept walking. And she walked right through this nasty, just thick, thorny stuff. And I had no shot. So I kept holding just in case. And it was going to follow her. And I slowly let down. Well, as she kept working her way around me, she was facing that other deer still kind of working away but around if that makes sense so she starts working that way and I looked at where she was and at this point she was about 12 yards past that 26 yard marker where I had that that spiker come in and at the one point from how I was facing I was like darn I don't have a shot opportunity but then Thank goodness I do hunt from the saddle because if I didn't hunt, if this was in a tree stand, I would have had no opportunity on this deer. So what I ended up doing was I put my left foot on my stick and I turned around on the tree. And as soon as I did that, I was wide open on her. I had a clear shot opportunity. I turned my dial to 30. So even though I knew she was past 30, I grabbed my little bit of a lighter arrow setup. So I knew I wasn't I still I had a little bit of play in that. So I just again, knowing your equipment, just what we, things we've talked about all year. So I knew I could get that there. And I was using the annihilator broadhead 
And I know from sighting that in from, you know, how they flew with that arrow set up, I knew they were good. And I drew back. And as I was on her, I was like, am I on her? I couldn't tell because everything just seemed, you know, like that tan, the brown. And I put my head off the string and I looked. I'm like, that's her. I'm on her. So I put my nose on, on the button and I took my time. I leveled it out. And at this point, I only had that one nice big clear opening. Took the shot. Boom. Smacked her hard. She kind of like, you know, stumbled there immediately. Took about five steps. Stumbled again. Took another three steps. And after that, she toppled over. Watched her go down. I kept my eyes on her. I called you. I was all fired up. I called my wife. I called Jim. I called my dad. Uh, man, I was, I was pretty fired up and, uh, finally got a chance to put some meat in the freezer, fill a tag here in Pennsylvania, in the home state. I, I was sitting there thinking, Dimitri, between Delaware and PA, I'm like, I cannot go this year with <laughs> t- 10 tag soup. Like I, I just couldn't do it. And, uh, finally filled the tag and here we go. It's hanging up in your dad's, uh, you know, garage right now, we're letting it tenderize. We skinned it out today. And, but yeah, I, I, I want to just say, uh, man, just number one, the whole process of staying persistent throughout the year. And, but the one thing that I want to say is, is I, I owe a lot to, uh, just the shooting process that I've had help with from you, from Jim, uh, from Paul this past year and past two years of just, cause I feel like in years past, I would have just lost my cool and just let, let an arrow rip and just hearing how it walking you through, like how you would walk, uh, us through your story of, of kind of taking your time, even taking your head off the string. Like I did that twice, even at that first time full draw. I mean, I was able I felt comfortable. I didn't feel blacking out or anything like that and you know so you, you guys are played a huge role in that in that kill yesterday just because it was you know i didn't lose my cool and just say screw it and punch that trigger i, I stay calm cool collected and i got the job done so i appreciate you guys uh sticking with me on that stuff yeah you just gotta never give up and you know get out there as much as you can and you just never know what's going to happen, right? And nope. if you're not out in the woods, you're you're not going to be able to kill something. So you know, and again, got to trust your process and and try to transition a lot of your target shooting into uh, hunting situations, which yep. is not easy. But you know, you we say all the time is which is hard to transition, but you have more time than you you think you do when you're in the stand. So, yep. you know, trying to trust your process and, you know, a lot of times you'd rather take your time and, you know, maybe you miss that opportunity or that hole you had, but you were going to punch the trigger anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, take your time and make sure that you're going to give a good ethical shot and, and, and go through your process and, you know, and it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, it feels good to put something down though. Oh man, it feels real good. And I'll say this too, two two things off of that. Number one, kind of going off of that whole, the the theory of this past year with the falling and your instinct with the sign and doing all that. I mean, I went to where I've always, I, I got smack dab in the middle of it. And I just, from being on the outskirts of sometimes the past couple, I would say the late season of seeing how those deer move 
Like I kind of stayed on the outside of that. And I just knew if I'm going to have an opportunity, I got to get in that thick of things. I got to be right there um, to have a chance. You know, I could have, I, when I was setting up, I was like, man, do I want to go on that outside where I could possibly get a more of a chance? Or if I'm going to be here in the middle, they'll come through this thick stuff, not see me until it's too late. And then I could let it rip. And that's the decision I made. And it, it paid off. I'd really do. I think if I was on that outside, uh, I don't know one, if I would have had, I mean, I would have had that shot opportunity, but the trees weren't, there were a lot of pines. So it would have been a, a tricky, tricky climb basically. And then the second thing, uh, is, so I wanted to talk about that and I want to talk about the broadhead. So I was using those annihilator broadheads and, uh, first time I've, I've, you know, killed with one of those and I'm, I'm impressed. Those things are solid. I sharpened it before just any type of fixed blade before heading out. Uh, I like to give it a little sharpen and, uh, I was impressed for the job they do. And then it, it still looks like it's brand new. If you just clean it, once I clean it up, I mean, it, there's no nicks, no nothing. The point is still razor sharp. So happy with those as well. And like you said, just happy to get something down for sure. Yeah. And time people hear this, the, the PA season will be over and a lot of seasons actually over. Yeah. So Time to re-gear and, you know, whether you need a short break if you've been grinding, but uh, time to move on to 2022 and next season. Fall will be here before we know it. Yeah, and then next thing we have, we had some turkey stuff coming up. So Absolutely. But All right, everybody. I appreciate you tuning in again this week, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed this one. Braxton was a lot of fun to have on. Like I said, I've – I probably watch a ton of his videos. I mean, when the new bows come out, he does an, a stellar job of getting those done pretty quickly. I don't even know how he does it. I don't know if he slips the, his bow tech some money under the table and said, let me shoot this when you get them in or just to get them done. But he does a great job, and he was a fun guest to have on. So definitely check his stuff out. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, – Maybe we'll have some content, Dimitri, of uh, us shooting some uh, 3D, and we'll talk about it on here as well. And like I said, we're going to be kicking off a little bit of some gear stuff. So if there is someone or a piece of gear that you want us to either one, talk about, or you want to talk about, or us to try to find to get someone talking about, let us know, and we'll do our best to do it. So thanks again, everybody. Till next time, Antler Up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Thanks again, everybody, for checking us out. Check us out over at antlerupoutdoors.com. Check out our Instagram, Facebook, Go Wild account, and uh, YouTube. So thanks again for checking us out. Antler Up.